Welcome to the Generation Iron Podcast, featuring the biggest names in bodybuilding, fitness, combat, and strength sports world. If you want to be a bodybuilding champion, it takes hours and hours every day of being dedicated and being passionate about it. As your boy here, Kai Green, a.k.a. Mr. Getting It Done. Tune in to the GI exclusives on the Generation Iron Airwaves. What's up, guys? This is Vlad Yudin, and we are on Generation Iron Podcast. I'm really excited about today's episode because uh, we're going to be talking to a bodybuilder who I've never met before. Um, I've heard some things about him, and you know, I know that he became known as one of the most interesting and best posers in bodybuilding. Uh, his routines can be found on YouTube and uh, various sites, um, and it's very entertaining to see him pose. Um, I've never met him before, but like I said, I've known a lot of people that met him and they had very great things to say about him. So I was really looking forward to learn about his story, um, get to know how he got into bodybuilding and most importantly, how he developed the skills in order to put together a real show, um, and you know, for the bodybuilding audience. So I'm very excited to talk to Melvin Anthony. Hey Melvin. What's up, dude? How you doing? This is Vlad from Generation Iron. Good to meet you, man. Yeah, good to meet you, yo. I was looking forward to this interview. <laughs> I bet. How How is you looking forward to it? What kind of loaded questions you got for me today? <laughs> nothing Nothing crazy at all, man. I just, you're one of those names yeah. in bodybuilding. You, you you accomplished so much, you know, but it seems... Yeah, I did a lot. You did a lot, man. You did a lot. But... Yeah. Uh, I was looking for I was I was looking forward to talking to you, man. For real. Oh, cool, man. Right on. Get my thing. Let me see. Yeah. All right, that's better. Can you hear me well? Yeah, I hear you good. Can you hear me? It's, um, I think the camera froze. The picture froze, I think. You hear me okay? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Can, can you hear me? Can you hear me? I'm sorry. The, the picture keeps freezing. Yeah. The, the picture keeps freezing for yeah, some You can hear me? Yeah. All right, sounds good. Yeah, I can hear you. Sounds good, sounds good. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Cool. Are you, are you, Just got back from Christmas, show. Are you in LA? Yeah, I'm in Rancho Cucamonga. So I'm about um, about 40 minutes from Los Angeles. Nice, nice, nice. I'm on it. So yeah, I really want this interview. I want the new generation uh, that follow bodybuilding to really, you know, a lot of them know you, but I feel like a lot of them might not know the whole story. You know what I'm saying? A lot of them might not know me, know me. Yeah, I think uh, kids nowadays they don't really, they don't really do this research. You know, they start from what's what's relevant now. They really don't dig into their history um, on you know what bodybuilding is all about and you know how it started and you know where it's at now. How did we get there? You know, nobody we can really. Um, it's really hard to analyze. You know where you're going if you never know where 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 you've been. You know, what's happened in your past. You know, so yeah. 
it's a little different nowadays. Yeah, but your story is amazing. You've mm -hmm. you've competed you've competed in a in one of the best eras in bodybuilding, I think. Yeah, it was. I, I believe it was one of the toughest. Um, you know, I, I came through. Um, you know, I just had good people around me that showed me. Um, you know, a lot of the do's and don'ts, um, and you know how to how to you know really get through it. Back then, then people were really really competing. I mean, they were really getting it. And um, I was fortunate enough to you know to be around the flex wheeler, you know. Chris Cormier, Ronnie Coleman, and, uh, you know, even got a chance to even, um, you know, be with, around Kevin LeBron for a while. So, you know, that era, you know, coming through with the Nassers and all that, I was, I think I came through right when, um, you know, Nasser or somebody was kind of filtering down. Um, and then, you know, between, I think like, you know, 90s all the way through the 2000s, I mean, mm -hmm. the, the competition was way different than it is now. Yeah, um, and Marcus Rule, Ronnie Coleman, all these guys. It's an amazing era. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Marcus Rule was a, was a tyrant. That dude, he was a cool guy, though. You know, he didn't talk a lot, you know, but uh, when he yeah, stepped on the scene, he was like, like Godzilla stepping into a, into a movie theater. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, big guy. But even with that mm -hmm. even with that competition, you've accomplished a lot. I mean, you were top five at Olympia, top five at Arnold. You you you, you oh, definitely you're up there you're up there with, with the toughest you know meanest competitors and that's that that says a lot you know for your level of competition. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Being the top five in the world is I mean it's nothing to shake a stick at, but you know I was trying to win. You know, mm -hmm. I mean I came through uh, in my my mentality was and it was taught. Um, it was embedded in me to to be the best. I mean you go for the go for the, go for the throat. You know what I mean? You go for first place, and if you end up being you know. Second, third, fourth, seventh, ninth, top ten, then okay. But you know, I was never complacent with the placings. I was always trying to beat uh, the physique I presented um, and beat everybody on stage, whoever they put me in front of. Um, and so, hopefully, that fight is still in these guys. Um, you know, I, I need to watch it a little bit more. But uh, yeah, that era was no joke. Mm -hmm. um, and the Olympia stage—that was the Super Bowl of bodybuilding. You know, um, that was never taken lightly at all. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I saw an interview with you um, from early 2000s where you're talking about competing, you know, and you really looked at, at, at it as a battle on stage, you know what I'm saying? Like, I talk to a lot of guys now and they're kind of like, well, I only care about what I look like, you know what I mean? When you were competing, you were like, I'm going there to kick this guy's ass, I'm going after That's Dexter, right. I'm going, I'm doing, okay, you were really bad. That's the way it's supposed to be. I mean, it's a competition, so... Anybody that says, you know, well, you know, it's just, I wouldn't say, you know, it's, it's just ignorance. They don't know no better. Nobody's taught them that, you know, they think they, Melvin Anthony's the best pose in the world. You know, he gets up there and he shakes a leg and he dances. Man, that's not, that's not the posing. That's, that's the icing on the cake. Mm -hmm. The meat of it, the entree, the battle is when I get on stage, I'm killing whoever's in my way. Mm -hmm. And that goes with my diet, it went with my training, it went with my cardio, no matter how much they thought I was cheating. I let people think I cheated all the time. You know, yeah, I have my little reward meals, but at the end of the day, I got on stage to win. And uh, so when a guy says, oh, you know, well, I'm just competing against myself. A guy like me, I'm gonna whoop your tail every time. Good, you, you worry about you, because I'm coming to take your back out. <laughs> you know, and, and my best friends, this is one of my best friends in, in bodybuilding, but he knew. When I showed up on stage, no matter what we laughed about on that stage, me and Dexter gonna go at it. I'm kicking your ass, and you gonna have to kick mine to get me out the way, or I'm gonna take your money. You know, mm -hmm. and it's just a different, it's just a different way of training. And so, 
So yeah, it's just naive, you know, the guys that say that. Yeah, for sure. So talk about, I mean, people do, a lot of people consider you to be one of the best or even the best poser of all time. And talk about that and what, what kind of, your, your routine is very different. It's very different from other routines. Uh, what what inspiration do you have? My inspiration, um, you know, even the guys that I, I train now, I do, do posing you know, clinics and, and I teach. Um, it's not about being Melvin Anthony. It's, it's not about being marvelous. It's about almost like, um, how can I say, you create a meal for the judges to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you prepare your meal, you know, you put together your 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 seasoning. You know, you put together your spices. You cut your herbs up. You get decorative vegetables that you want to put on your plate. And then, you know, you get your sides. You know, you get it all sautéed. And then you throw it on the floor in front of them. Inspect them to eat it. Hmm. That's posing. Mm-hmm. You, you, you want to present your physique. And you want to feed them to the where they can enjoy it with a fork. But it's presented correctly in front of them. But posing routines, you know, back, even back then, some of the guys didn't take it seriously. Um, so I was always known for, even in prejudging, I knew how to fight. I studied the guy next to me. I was never just worried about, oh, I'm just worried about me. Nah, hell no. Nah. You better worry about the guy on your left and on your right. Because when they call you out and put you into that ring, you better be ready to fight. Or you're going to get knocked out every time. So, you know, I learned and I was taught to create, you know, um, better body parts every time I got on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, know what my best body parts were and know the guy standing next to me. And if you don't know the guy, the guy you haven't seen, be able to assess his physique at second mm-hmm. and go, dang, he got legs, he got hamstrings, he got glutes, oh, uh, his lower back. So I got to know which attributes I have. I got a smaller waist in it. So when we turn around to the back, I'm going to make sure I flare my lats all the way out and make it, and, and expose his flaws. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These guys are not, you know, um, as well as they, they could be taught. So I was one of those guys that in posing, when it came down to being the best pose in the world, it all boiled down to your routine against my routine. And if they had a best poser award or uh, best entertainment award, I was going to get it because it was either 10, 15, 20 grand extra. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take it from you. And um, so me being the best or being said I was the best only because I beat just about every guy that was in front of me when it came to posing, you know. And uh, so I never walked around saying, I'm the best poser in the world. I just made it my point to entertain the fans, show the judges why, why I'm supposed to win, and create something that, that even the guys that don't like me had to still applaud me. That was my goal every show. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what made me great. I spoke to Kevin Leroni recently, and he told me he never practiced his routine. He just went on stage and kind of just live with the music. How much did you practice uh, before, before your routine? Hello? Hello? Hey, can you hear me? Okay, there you go. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I hear you now. I can hear you now. Did you hear what I said? I said, said Kevin, Kevin never, he, said, he told me he never practiced. Uh, how much did you practice before? Um, before you uh, I practiced for months, years. Uh, before a show, I would start creating my routine about nine or so. I would already have what music I wanted to come out to. I would already have, you know, um, the poses that I wanted to portray, and I have them written down. I want to, you know, front of bicep. I want to do a classic bicep, and I want to do side chest, and I want to do on this shot. And I would go over my music. I would already create it before I was there. That way, when I got on stage, it was easy to go through it. It was like walking. Um, you know, Kevin. You know, 
if he did that, you know, that's that's him. I never got away with that. You know, Kevin was a, was a, is a phenomenal bodybuilder. So anything he did, you know, they were going to applaud. But also, you can always see when a guy's thinking. While he's up there, he can be lip syncing, but then he's thinking at the same time. Okay, now I think I want to do a backup bicep. He paused and he do it. There's a difference between my routines and theirs. It was always, um, for me, I tried to be flawless. And if I made a mistake up there and put my foot in the wrong spot, you would never know it because I knew how to hide. I would knew how to hide my mistakes mm-hmm. in movement. You know. Well, I, I strongly recommend everybody that's recommend watching this to go and watch your routines on YouTube. Uh, 2005 Arnold Classic, Iron Man shows. I mean, those are real performances. 2001, 2006, Mr. Yeah. Olympia. Uh, yeah, Australia, all of them. I, I used to turn up when I used to go to Australia. Ooh, Australian <laughs> fans, them guys, they, you know, and in New York here, but Australia, them fans go crazy when you do a routine. You know, you do something that they like or you do something to get them going, they go crazy. And I always, that was my best time. Uh, along uh, the battle uh, was the night show. You know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was I look forward to, you know, creating something and then presenting it just to see how loud I can get them to get. <laughs> do you think Kai Green got inspired by your performances? Do you do you see a little bit of of, of you in, in his performances? I'm not sure. Um, Kai, you know, Kai is my boy. That guy right there. He's I I am I am also a fan of his. Mm-hmm. Um, when he came out, I watched him, you know, I watched him compete mm-hmm. and I watched him, you know, move on stage and I was like, okay, that guy's got that. He's got that, that thing, you know, it's a, it's a gift. He's got, um, natural talent to hear and feel music. Um, his creation, sometimes people would say, oh yeah, maybe that's a little much, you know, but I always enjoy it. Um, but at the same time, I was also trying to whoop his behind when he got up there with us, you know, because I knew he was, he was to be reckoned, you know, you had, you had, you had a, you got to battle a guy like that, you know. And John Brown was one of the first guys to tell me, he goes, you gotta, that dude right there, you better watch him. You want to fight that dude right there? Yes. So I knew that even in the posing, um, his emulation of certain poses that he had, mm-hmm. he was a studier of, of bodybuilding. He watched the Ed Corners. He watched the Serge Brace. He watched the Arnold Schwarzenegger. He watched the, the Bertle Foxes and the, and the, and the, um, and the uh, Sergio Olivas and the Lee Hayes. He studied how to move. So when you do it, when you do that, it, 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 you could see it when you see a guy post. So he had his own twist, but all that stuff was all handed down from the guys before. Yeah, the, you can always see the influences in his body. So you know, I wouldn't say he, uh, he I was an influence. I wouldn't know. I, I'd never really asked Kai. Uh, mm-hmm. I just know um, Kai is is uh, isn't a what do you call that? An eccentric. He's very uh, mm-hmm. he thinks differently than a lot of people. Um, you know, he's a creator. He the guy can paint. He can draw. And just talking to him, you can tell, okay, people, some people go, that's strange, he's strange. He's not strange. If you listen to what he say, he's a deep thinker. Mm-hmm. So people like that, when he created something, he was always going to come off the cusp because that's his personality. Mm-hmm. Well, my personality is, you know, I come more from the street. So, you know, I was into the street dancing and, and, and the pop locking and, the, and all that. And I wanted to be in the, the, the newest dance that was out there at the time. But my creation, as far as my slow part, uh, I always wanted people to enjoy uh, my physique. So my first minute and a half, two minutes was always geared towards displaying my physique, the best ones that I had, my classic poses to show why I should win this show. So when you t- talk about, um, you know, being the greatest poser, um, I don't think I've ever lost a posing routine. I don't think I've ever lost as far as the, you know, the award. So that, that, that's what I guess people say, hey, he's the greatest because I never lost. 
and they've been back then, they say, well, you've never been in front of nobody. You know, well, Kai Greene's better than you, and Darren Charles is better than you. Well, we all was at the same show at the Arnold, mm-hmm. and I got them all. You know, <laughs> they were talking about Lee Priest is going to win it. He's talking about Kai Greene's going to win it. They were talking about um, Darren Charles is going to get it, and all these other guys, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, I came out with a trophy, so that made me undisputed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but I do enjoy Kai Green. I, I've always enjoyed his physique, and you know, we always just talk about, hey man, when I come out, man, you know, you better be ready. And we used to laugh about it. We used to go over to Kuwait, and we've been over to these different places together. And me and Kai used to laugh about it. Like, well, come on with it. <laughs> you better hope you go on stage before I do, because if you don't, I'm gonna get you. You know, we mm-hmm. used to laugh about it. So, mm-hmm. you know, if that's one thing that's missing in the sport, you know, these guys don't talk. You know, a lot of these guys, they don't, mm-hmm. they don't, you know, they don't call each other. You know, they're so. I would say selfish that some of the I, I don't even know what name to call it. They're just so focused on themselves mm-hmm. that they don't know that there's things that are happening around them that they can glean. There's information that they can glean off each other, mm-hmm. you know, so you can only be great by yourself if you only have the information that you got. But if you call, you know, a Flex Lewis or you call a Phil Heath or you call a Dexter Jackson, you call somebody you guys are talking about, it, you might get some extra information that you didn't know about. Right. You know, some new herb that came out that you didn't know about that I'm taking that you're not. And you wonder why I keep whooping your behind. <laughs> you know, so that's things that we had in the 90s that they don't have. To, I don't I don't see them doing today. I was just at Chris Cormier's show and I never saw it. Outside of you, who do you consider to be the top five posers of all time, excluding yourself? That you admire? Uh, besides myself, mm-hmm. you Coach, being number you being number one. Um, Kai Green for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Darren Charles. Mm-hmm. Um, and you talking about in this era or in that era? Any any era. Um, a guy that's close that that really can I think that that I would put in there uh, would be a uh, Terrence Ruffin. Mm, yeah. Uh, and this new kid that um, you know, I had the had the uh, the uh, opportunity to work with a little bit. Uh, Sabor Favors, I can't say his name, Sabor or Sabor. He's good. Mm-hmm. Um, so those guys, I would I would throw out there um, as being one of the, some of the greatest guys um, in my area. Yeah, it would have been a Darren Charles, it'd been a Kai Green. Um, anybody else that stands out that came close? Mm, mm, that's that's probably about. That's probably about it. Mm-hmm. I'd make mm-hmm. five guys. I would. I would consider great. What about Sean Rodham? Because I I saw somewhere that you helped him in 2016, I believe, uh, for his. Research. I did. Um, I did. I helped him. He's a natural. Um, but uh, you know, I, yeah, I could throw him in there for sure. Um, Sean Rodham. He was a good mover. He had good balance. Um, yeah, he knew how to flow between his uh, transitions. So yeah, he would. That would. That probably would cover it then. Mm-hmm. Sean Rodham. Ty Green, Darren Charles, Terrence Ruffin, and Sabor. Mm-hmm. That'd be five, for mm-hmm. sure. Definitely. Yeah. Now, you mentioned John Brown. Again, a lot of people don't know who that is. Can you can you tell people who that? Because I, I understand he was your mentor, right, originally. Yeah, man, to this day, man, he still mentors me on things. Um, John Brown um, won the Mr. Universe three times. Mm-hmm. Won the, uh, the, Mr. Uni- uh, the Mr. World, I uh, think, three times. Um, traveled all over the world, and he was known for putting on a show. Um, as well as portraying his physique. So that was where I got my base. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the guy guiding me, telling me, hey, don't do this. Hey, do this. Don't do that. Hey, train this way. Don't, you know, eat this. And when it came down to, you know, to diets and stuff. But John Brown is one, was one of the greatest posers probably ever stepped the stage. He was actually the first guy that really started to mix music together. 
and mm. blend the routines. They didn't back then. They weren't allowing guys to tape play more mm. than one song. They were wanting to play what they wanted to play. So John really pushed that issue with the athletes to be able to play their songs and mix tapes together, making mixtapes. He was the first guy to do that. Was he a coach? Um, was he a coach in the beginning? He was my coach. He was my coach for man for years. All, pretty much, you know, he had his hands in, um, you know, giving me advice probably all the way through my career. Um, right. Even when I had different gurus, you know, I had Chad Nichols and um, I had a few other guys. I had Hani Rambod, um, you know, oh, training yeah. me, helping me. Um, and uh, I had another guy um, who was from Greece. Wasn't was was Milos your coach at one point? Milos helped me a bit too because I was in Milos's gym. So, you know, like I said, I had a good team of guys around me at all times. You know, Milos, Milos helped me for the New York. So um, I had good influences from guys. Um, but John Brown was the main guy. I mean, James, John Brown had his had his influence with uh, Vince Taylor and Sean Ray, training those guys. He even helped Milos back today, you know, talk, talking to him about training. Um, John Brown had uh, Victor Richards, mm-hmm. you know, and those, all those guys. You know, he told me when I was competing, he was like, man, you could be a pro easy. I was like, huh? You know, I didn't, I didn't even know what I had. He goes, man, you, you listen to me, you'll go pro. You know, you do the right things. You train the way I tell you to train, you're going to go pro. You know, so he was one of the guys that influenced me to do that. But back then, he was before his time, and he's telling me, "Yo, I don't know why they like you so much, man. Cause you a little, you a little cut up, boy. But they like you." And I'm like, "I don't know why either, but you know, you, you, I'm gonna use what I got to get there." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so those that don't know, John Brown was one of the greatest bodybuilders ever. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I definitely want to remind people of those guys that people don't even talk about now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what? Why did you pick bodybuilding to even get into? Uh, I know you're working out probably at a young age, but why did you want to? actually go on the stage and you know what i mean like what interested I didn't, you about it? you know when i was coming through i didn't even know that was accessible you know i i i used to uh sneak in the store they used to have you know those racks you know where they had all the magazines and before they started putting plastic on them you know the iron man magazine was out and the flex magazine all that was in the corner and you know the first guy that i seen i was like man i want to look at that i opened the book up and i seen you know sergio oliva and I seen, you know, Berto Fox and, mm-hmm. you know, Rich Gaspari. You know what I mean? I was like, man, that dude's ripped. They don't even look human. <laughs> I mean, you know, so I started to study and started to look at it. And they just kicked me out the store. And after a while, they started putting plastic around the magazine. <laughs> and I used to go in there with a razor blade and zip, <laughs> zip them and pull them out and read them. And, yeah, man, that was my – I had a niche for it. I just enjoyed looking at muscle. You know what I mean? I didn't think I could be like that, but I was like, yeah, I want to be big like that. You know, me being picked on as a kid, I was like, man, I want to be like that. You know, I want muscles like that. Man, if I get that, seeing a Robbie Robinson, I thought that was unreal. You know it what I mean? Amazing, that was amazing, yeah. Amazing, yeah. man. The Black Prince, the darkest, yeah. he's black as night, but God, look at that muscle. My goodness. I like that. You know what I mean? Seeing a, you know, Sergio Oliva with his hands lifted up like that, that looked it, unre- it looked it crazy. Yeah. I'm like, what do you got to do to be like that? And so that was my first initiation to bodybuilding was seen in the magazine in a store you know and then i started to that's when i started to go f- try to find out how do you get big like that mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. started looking at guys and for me like i said you know it was from my neighborhood was kind of uh. so i used to walk around guys getting out of prison i'm like hey man how you how you get arms like that you know yeah well come on let me show you you know start showing me you know and there was a guy that I used to follow around his name was um stephen james stevie J. his name is strong now but uh, that guy right there, man, he got out of the military. He's like, man, you ain't got to. I used to think you got to go to jail to get big like that. You know what I mean? Because that's that's what you 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 only can re, uh, respond to what you're exposed to. So he's like, man, you follow me. Come on, take me to the gym. And he took me to this gym called Spectrum Gym in Riverside, and uh, that was Ted Williamson's gym. 
So I used to start, you know, going in there and gave my first experience to some hardcore weight was in that gym, you know, and and who would have thought that years later that that guy would judge me? And he remember me. He goes, yeah, you used to sneak your little badass in my gym. <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember you, you know, and his mom used to bake protein shakes for me and, and give them to me and tell me to go back to school because I started ditching, you know, in the, in the eighth grade, mm-hmm. started ditching just to go to the gym. And so uh, Ted Williamson's mom used to make her make me a shake, and then she'd tell me, you know, go ahead and live, work work out, but then you go back to school. She'd send me back to school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was so that, that's what. Was dieting easy for you, or was it was it a challenge? It was a challenge for me. I I, I ain't gonna lie. I, I like to eat. You know, I enjoy tasting food. And so dieting for me, um, what kept me straight was, I had a reason why I was doing what I was doing. Just like in boxing, you know, you have guys that were boxing and people can talk whatever crap they want to talk about. Pacquiao, that was one of my favorite boxers. It wasn't Mayweather. I like Mayweather too, but Pacquiao was my guy mm-hmm. because he fought to eat. He didn't fight for the money. To this day, he don't fight for the money. He fights to feed his family, to take care of his nation, his country. That's a different kind of fight. So a guy like that's always dangerous. Mm-hmm. And that's what made me dangerous. Mm-hmm. I was lifting weights to, you know, pay my rent, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. lifting weights to get ahead. To have a car, to buy a house, you know what I mean? It's a different kind of, it wasn't for the fame. You know, I enjoy people clapping, but I'm like, man, if I'm going to be in this, I got to make money. Because bodybuilding took my, overtook my whole being, my whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't have a regular job. I had to work at the strip club in the front door, being a bouncer. You know what I mean? I had to do odd things to make money, to even be able to compete. Because in order to compete, you have to indulge yourself. You got to mm-hmm. get all the way in there. And that's the way I got into it. So that's why I died it so well because I said if I don't, if I don't get first to fifth place anywhere in there, ain't no money. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And so my, my whole entire uh, you know uh, athletic career uh, as an amateur, you just got a trophy. So I had to learn how to make money. I had to work at night, you know, had a couple of jobs, and then I had to pay my I had to pay my way through until I got my pro card. But once I got that pro card, oh, not only did I have a gift of having a body that I was born with. I trained to eat. I didn't train to just, oh yeah, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm just gonna go out here and, you know, wow the crowd and get first place and get a trophy. Nah, man, I was training to eat, feed my family. Different. Once you were a pro, did you find it to be lucrative to be a bodybuilder? Because I was talking to Paul Dillette recently and he told me that back in the late 90s, early 2000s, it was very lucrative to be a bodybuilder because you'd sell pictures. It was no social media back then, you know what I'm saying? So like, there was no social media. Yeah, you had to sell your pictures and your hats and, and, um, but was it, what, did you find it to be lucrative? Uh, I did. Um, at first, my first contract that I got, um, it was about, I think, like 28000 But I made money off my guest posings. I made money off my endorsements. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was lucrative, you know, and they paid for you to show up somewhere. You know, I got $1,000 to show up at a store. You know what I mean? You sit there for an hour and sign autographs. You know, you got money to show up at these shows, and your guest posing was three, dollars $5,000 a guest post, you know. I earned that later on, but back then, yeah, it's way more lucrative than it is now. Um, and I don't know why. Um, some things have changed. I don't know what because when I left the sport, I wasn't paying attention, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a, a very lucrative, you know. I sat there and watched. Um, I remember Paul DeLeo was at. Uh, he used to stay with Lee Priest. They used to stay together, roommates, right? Mm-hmm. And so I go over his house and I'm sitting there and I'm and I'm like, hey Melvin, man, you. Your physique, man, you're a dangerous guy. You know, he, Paul Dillette's got that high voice. Melvin, huh? man, you're a dangerous bodybuilder. <laughs> Always coughing. You know, yeah, you used to have bad asthma, right? So I'm like, yeah. He says, yeah, go on. Give, give me that envelope off the table. I have to open up my check. 
So I go over and I grab the grab an envelope and he opened that envelope. I seen eight thousand dollars. I'm like, eight grand? What? A month? Yes, that's just one of my checks. I'm like, in my mind, you rich. I wanna be I want how can I get that? He goes, Man, you have to be a businessman. You have to negotiate, you know? And so yeah, it was it was very lucrative then. Sure was. I don't know how it is now. I don't know how they do with the contracts now. So I, I couldn't tell you if it's lucrative or not. But um, I know then we were getting paid. I got a crazy question for you. Getting ready for this interview, right? Were you, were you a manicurist at one point? I saw some crazy. <laughs> I saw a crazy reality show that you appeared on Blind Date. What was that? <laughs> I was on Blind Date. Yeah, they they still show that man. It's it's funny. Um, yeah, I went to manicuring school. Um, you know, I have a there was a big Vietnamese community where where I used to stay when I was growing up, and one of my buddies, um, Tan, he's like, man, I'm about to open up a nail shop, man. You need to go get your license. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> get my license. Like, yeah, you come to the shop, man, and do nails, man. You don't understand, man. The girls be up in there, so I'm like, really? All right, when I go, I try to see if I can do it, and so I went, and I I was one of the first guys to pass the course. That's yeah, so and I went funny. up in there and worked for my buddy. Yeah, you'd be surprised what a chick tell you when you're rubbing her feet. Ooh, <laughs> they tell you everything. Yes, buddy. That's so, so yeah, I did that for a while. I had my manicure license for years. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was a good episode, man. I was watching it actually uh, yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when I had my blonde hair, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go look. I had my hair dyed platinum. <laughs> Um, so I wanted to ask you also, cause I, the Iron Man magazine, right? used to be really big. And also the Iron Man show was really big. And then it just, Huge. it was like Arnold, obviously Olympia, Arnold and the Iron Man. And then I kind of disappeared. What, do you know what happened yeah. to the Iron Man show? I don't know if they just stopped having it, but like Iron Man had the best lighting mm-hmm. anywhere. Mm-hmm. They brought in special guys to do that lighting, man. And I'm telling you, when you stood on stage and you was in shape, ooh, wee. That was the show to do, and it was always close to the Arnold, so mm-hmm. it was always, you know, a couple weeks right before the Arnold, so you can go in there and then just kind of like die it all the way through mm-hmm. to get to the Arnold. Um, yeah. The Iron Man was one of my favorite shows to do because it's in my backyard. You know what I mean? It was mm-hmm. right here, it's in, uh, in the L.A. area, Manhattan Beach. Man, they used to mm-hmm. man sell out. I'm talking lying around the corner. I mean, man, and that was the first one I went to. Uh, the first Iron Man I went to, I was able to meet um, Bertle Fox who I'm a big fan of. I mean, whew, I thought mm-hmm. that guy was a giant. But when I met him, he's like 5'2". <laughs> I was like, he was sitting on the sink, I swear. And I'm like, hey, John, that's that, that's Burn Fox. Oh, you want to meet him? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, come on. So John Brown takes me back to the backstage, and, you know, uh, we walk back there, and he's sitting up on the sink listening to his radio, you know? And he jumps off the sink, and when he jumped off the sink, he came to like my chest. I was like, the hell? You look so much taller than magazines, but I wouldn't say it. I wouldn't dare say that to him. You know, that's Bertle Fox. You know what I mean? That That's the guy right there. And I was able to meet him. He's a really humble guy, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, the Iron Man was a big show. It was a big show to win. You know, when you've seen guys winning it, Vince Taylor, I've seen win it. You know, I watched uh, Flex win it. And then being able to compete in that show in my first pro debut, man. Hell yeah. yeah. That was a show, dude. Is this a point? I really don't know what happened. It's disappointing. I just vanished, but that was a really, that was a really huge show. Need, that's a, that's a show they need to bring back. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. If anything for pro, fan for bodybuilding man, the Iron Man is that's the that's the show right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely a great show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know the Arnold was just a whole ever another level. They all had their uh, attributes. You know the Arnold used to pack a house, man. Um, and the Olympia was just the Super Bowl. That's the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was always the Arnold Classic because it's Arnold show. You know, with the uh, the Lormers, 
and then the you know back then the, the convention center was always packed too you know what i mean when you showed up and just to be on that stage you were you were michael jackson bro you mm-hmm. you step out that bus and people used to go crazy that's melvin and to me i used to, I used to giggle like why are you screaming at me that's like come on man i'm just me you know what i mean and nah man you're you're this and you're that and you know when you when you're bringing tears to people's eyes that's crazy bro I mean, to me, I'm just like, wow, it was so much different. I don't know how it is now because I've only been to a couple, but mm-hmm. yeah, the Arnold had its it had its draw. And then when you got to the Olympia, well, the Olympia is the Olympia. Mm-hmm. But those three contests, yeah, man, yeah. Were you there that when um, Jay Cutler finally defeated Ronnie Coleman? That was 2000. When did Jay win? 2006. Was it six or was it set? No, it was Dexter won in second. Sec. Yeah, 2006, I was on the stage. Yeah, I, I was fifth that year, 2006. I was there. I watched it happen. Yeah. Because Ronnie, Ronnie was such a dominant force in bodybuilding. So when he finally lost the title, I mean, did you, like backstage, did you expect it to happen? Was it surprising? Like, what was what was going on in your mind at that time? In, in my mind, I was trying to get at. I was trying to get in the ring with him. So my mind was, I'm trying to get him. I was trying to beat him, you know. Uh, but Ronnie, man, and and Jay also. It's like those guys when they came out, even the warm up. You're like, damn, man, man. If they call me out, I'm it's, it's on and cracking. I'm just, you know, what I'm saying, try to use mm-hmm. my best attributes to beat them. But I wasn't surprised. Like you know, in this sport, you can't be surprised about what goes on. Mm-hmm. Judges have a hard job up there to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that year when he won. Um, I wasn't surprised. I, you know, I congratulated him and, and congratulated Ronnie. You know, but you know, it, in that at that time in your mind when it's going down, you're not thinking, you know, if he's going to win or if he's going to win because you're trying to win. Right. So when I when I got my places and went all the way up and you to watch the top two, you know, for it to go down, I wasn't a ha or a boo. I was just like, wow. Well, you know, judges have spoken. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But uh, Ronnie was one of the one of the dom- most dominant forces to ever step on that stage. I mean, I've watched I've watched Jay Cutler get defeated in his head mm-hmm. when he was actually in just as condition or even my better condition. And I'd seen him lose it in his mind mm-hmm. because Ronnie was so intimidating. Ronnie had that kind of 3D muscle when you looked at him. It's best for you. If you got a weak mind, you shouldn't look at him when he's warming up. Because mm-hmm. if you do, you're going to lose here. When you lose here, your body going to change. And I watched it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used to run back and tell Dexter, you can ask him, hey, Dexter, I was a recon man. I went in everybody's room, looked at everybody before this. I was a recon man because I wanted to see what you had before you put it out there. Mm-hmm. So that I knew what I was dealing with. And so I would come back and tell Dexter how well he was going to do or how bad he was going to do. I was like, or who he had to fight or who he didn't have to fight because Dexter wouldn't do what I would do and come back with all the information. Mm-hmm. And uh, I watched it one year where, you know, Jay freaked himself out. You know, John, Ronnie was out there doing a, Cable crossovers. That's when they had all the weight equipment mm-hmm. out there in the middle of the floor. Mm-hmm. And Ronnie was like, yep, yep. And he was out there doing cable crossovers. And he had his little tank top on. And he takes his tank top off and he's doing I, I watched him like go from this to this in like a minute. Mm-hmm. I was, I swear, I look at that. I ran back and I said, Dexter, come look at this, man. So when I'm going back, I see Jay come out the room. Jay comes out the room and he goes to the right to go warm up. And I'm watching, you know, Ronnie do his third or fourth set. And Jay looked at him, and his kind of shoulders kind of slumped. I knew right then he was going to have an issue already. You, sh- you should have never watched him because Jay was looking phenomenal. And he took a look at Ronnie and was like, ah, damn it, here we go again. A battle. So sometimes that Ronnie had that effect on people. If you watch him, you're going to lose here unless you got a strong mind. 
Yeah, he had that crazy muscle, man. Retarded. That's insane. The only real criticism criticism I heard about you um, was was I heard like commentators during your routine talking about your conditioning. Uh, have you heard that criticism about you before? Oh yeah, they were always they were always trying to get oh these shredded glutes. They started like emphasizing shredded glutes. Mm -hmm. My glutes were never bad. They just weren't lined up across all the way across the back. You know, some guys would kick that leg back and boom, they'd have that, it have that, you know, them lines. Mm -hmm. And man, I tried for years. I never figured out how to get it. You know what I mean? I think the closest I think I came to was like 2006, and then uh, when Dennis James helped me in uh, the Phoenix Pro, when uh, you know they were saying that I wasn't gonna do well. You know, Sean Ray was, I'm the well, he he might be the dark horse if he does this and this, he do okay. And I went through that my whole career. You know, I was never really looked at as the front runner, even when I won the Night of Champions. But that was my knock. They always said, hey, you know, right around, the, you know, the, the hamstring tie-in and glutes, you know, man, has got to be a little tighter in his conditioning. You know, glutes don't mean you out of shape. Because if that was the case, I would never be the top five in the world. Yeah. I had everything in else. I just had a problem getting shredded back there. It, you know, maybe there's the estrogen settled there. I don't know. I, we, we and Chad, we, we, we could never figure it out. Um, you know, so, yeah, that was my knock. You know, that was that was what I focused on all year. It's like, man, how can I get my glutes to come in? You know, how can I get them like dextrous? How can I get them... You know, some people have it, some people don't. You know, you can try to get close, and so you know, I never did figure that out. You mm -hmm. know? But you still managed to get top, be top five bodybuilder in the world, which is oh yeah, well, yeah, and win some shows. You know, um, so yeah, it, it was it was actually uh, it was a good run with me. I enjoyed my time on stage, that's for sure. How did you enjoy working with um, with Chad Nichols? Chad, man, Chad's Chad's a good dude, man. Chad, Chad, you know, he's like family, man. Chad, Chad Nichols is a great, great guy, man. Very knowledgeable, knows what he's talking about, and and he ain't trying to kill you in the process. You know what I mean? Um, he was one who I know paid attention. You know, he had a he had a lot on his plate. He had a lot of athletes, but he always came to each room and spent the amount of time he needed to mm -hmm. to get me right. You know what I mean? Even through my injuries, you know, Chad was always there. You know what I mean? Um, you know, even when he had his sons, Dom and Morgan running around, you know, <laughs> firing Penny still made time for me. He still made time for Ronnie, still made time for Vic. And all, he went to, you know, he just knew what he was doing, you know. And, um, you know, I, I overheard uh, some guys trying to knock him, talking about he was trying to kill people. And the man stop it. Stop it. You know, some people just doing too much. Some people, when a man tells you, if you were my trainer, you told me to eat, eat you know, six ounces of beef every day. Because you want to put on 10 pounds and I'm over there eating nine, mm -hmm. you know, and then I got some problems with my stomach. You told me to eat six and I chose to eat nine. So you can't blame it on the guru. Blame it on yourself because you chose to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's what I try to tell people across the board with supplements, with roids, whatever. If we tell you to do one and you do six and you get sick, it's your fault. Well, I think often gurus do get the criticism, especially right now in today's today's yeah. Uh, society. They, yeah, they blame it on the guru, but say but we don't know what the, what the athlete doing either. At home, you know what I mean. We don't know what's what he's doing extra, or what he's adding in that he's not telling the guru. The only can guru can only deal with the information that he's given and what he's giving the athlete. So I never did blame you know Chad for me placing, you know, fifth instead of first. No, we we had a plan, we had a program. I stuck to the program. And this is where we where we went. And every show we got better and better and better. You know, he was the reason why I stepped on stage in two thousand six and, and was in that top five. And and I could have been first through fifth, and nobody would have complained because mm -hmm. I looked that good. You know. And so yeah, Chad, man, he's a, he's he's one of the best in the game. Did you ever feel like a conflict of interest because he was training obviously Ronnie Coleman and other guys? Did they ever feel like he's kind of nope. you know never? 
I never did. You know why? Because I I was fortunate enough, like I said, to tag along. So mm-hmm. after we leave my room, I was able to go right to Ronnie's room and watch what Chad did with him. Mm-hmm. And was never different. There was different processes in the amounts of, of carbs or, mm-hmm. or eating and, and all that, but he catered per athlete. It wasn't I give I eat six apples and Ronnie gonna eat eat eat, eat oranges because he's right. better. No, if if I was able to eat that based upon my my process and what we were trying to accomplish, then it was everything was was uh, customized for each athlete. It was never no uh, what do you call it when you just across the board every gets everybody gets the same stuff. You eat oatmeal, yeah. you eat oatmeal, you eat oatmeal. You eat ten ounces, you eat ten ounces, you eat ten ounces, and then watch how everybody's body yeah. uh, adjusted. No, he he cookie cutted every diet for every bodybuilder that he had. Even with the amateur, and I watched him do it. He was, was very your, transparent. When was your last show, and after what show did you decide to retire from bodybuilding? Uh, my last show uh, was I did my last tour with uh, Dexter. So after uh, I did the Phoenix, uh, I went to the Arnold, uh, and then I went to Australia. I think I went to New Zealand or somewhere. And then yeah, after I came back, I didn't I didn't really go back off stage after that. That was 2010. Yeah, so end of 2010, I won a show going out, you know, um, in the Phoenix. Um, and then I went to Europe. Uh, not Europe, I went over to Australia, competed, and I just did my little tour and then came home, and that was it. That was it for me. How did you make a decision not to ever compete again? Well, actually, the endorsements made a decision for me. <laughs> you know, the uh, the companies that I was with, they were starting to do a change. You know, they were starting to, you know, bring in younger guys and you know, in this sport, you know, it's 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 relative to what they think is is the best for their company. So when I started to lose some of the endorsements, you know, I'm not gonna spend, you know, ten grand of my money to get ready. It just mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't I wasn't willing to do that. So I kinda stepped away and, and just kinda started doing my own thing. You had an issue yeah. with the company, right? You had like some kind of a lawsuit or something with the company and it was a, it was a big problem, right? You had, <laughs> you had to deal with it, right? Is that true? It wasn't even a he wasn't you know well, Sean Ray made a big deal out of it, but it wasn't a big deal. Um, you know, it was basically, you know, when you, when I, when I, being an athlete, athletes have to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. And if a company wants to use my likeness and do without my knowledge, um, I want to get paid for it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't pay me for it, then, you know, you have to go through a legal process. And the legal process, you know, said what they had to say, and I got awarded. So it doesn't matter if it was a dollar. Right is right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, you know, you wouldn't have a... Uh, uh, you know, Kobe Bryant letting letting Nike uh, use his picture without paying for it, right? Of course. But that's what they wanted to do me to do, and I was like, Nah, we're not gonna do that. And you know, we're not with the company, and you're using my likeness, and that's just what it is. So, it wasn't a big deal. I just expect to be treated fairly and 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 do the right thing. And if you don't, then you know that's not it's not for me. It's time for me to to move into a different process and and let them work it out. And that's what happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so yeah. as an outsider looking in, right, it looks like. When you retired in 2010, you kind of left the industry. You know, a lot of guys, even if they retire, they stay within the industry. They do different things. But it seems like you kind of distance yourself from it. Is that is that accurate or not? Um. Yeah. It. It just. I was. I, I went through a lot of changes in my mind. You know. Um. Because I didn't prepare prepare myself correctly. And so I tell the athletes that I work with now, man, if you got a job and a career, keep it. You know, compete, but don't let it be. Don't let it engulf you unless you have a a a a. Uh, a get out plan. I didn't have one. I thought I was going to be able to compete until I was 50. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I wasn't ready. I didn't prepare myself. I didn't save my money. I should have listened to John Brown because he kept telling me, man, 
buy a house over here, rent it out. I was like, why? I ain't gonna live in it. I didn't, I didn't get the end game. Mm-hmm. The end game is you want to take what you make. You take the lucrative because you know the sport. I believe is still lucrative. You can still make money. You got to put it somewhere. Put it into a trust fund. Put it over into a, you know into a, a, a stocks. Mm-hmm. You got to use it to where they, when you're when you're done with the sport, then you can still live. You can still make money. You can still have your money make money. You have to because there's no retirement um, in bodybuilding. You know, I wasn't looking for one at the time. I was just trying to compete. Mm-hmm. So I did things that I did things that I should have been more prepared for. Um, you know, I should have bought more real estate. I should have, uh, you know, tried to uh, put my money in stocks. And, um, you know, I dibble and dabble it, but I took it out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't prepare myself uh, correctly for my exit. Yeah. What's interesting is that, you know, after you retired, that's when social media really started blowing up. Like 2013, mm. 14, that's when the Instagram you know, kind of like took over the oh. fitness industry. And you oh. you retired right before that, you know, like literally. Right before that. If I would have had an Instagram, man, I would have I still probably been getting it. I probably <laughs> still been getting it. You know, I would have been like Dexter. I probably would have did it until I couldn't do it no more. And then, and then, you know, did one more show and left the game. Um, but I didn't do that. Yeah. It wasn't, there wasn't no uh, social media. You know, we had cell phones, um, you know, and we just called each other. And, hey, I used to go to gym to gym to go see guys. I'd drive all the way from Orange County to Venice Beach to train every day with Charles Glass, you know, just to be around those guys, just to be, um, you know, listening to the information that was there. You know, John Brown was one of the ones that told me, you go listen to everything they say and write it down, what you can use. What you can't use, you discard it, throw it in the trash. You go around Sean Ray, you get to talk about what he eat, write it on a piece of paper. He eats fish, this, how many ounces, if he gives you the information, you write it down, if you can use it, use it. Because there's gonna be a day you're gonna be standing next to that guy. And sure enough, it happened. Stood next to Sean Ray and battled him. Stood next to Kevin. Stood next to all those guys. You know, uh, 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 you know Paul Delette coming out. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have to prepare yourself for the end game. And I always want to tell you know young guys, you got to prepare yourself. If you're not prepared, man, you're gonna be like me, struggling. You don't want to struggle when you're done because mm-hmm. when you stop competing, that's your last check. You know what I mean? When you stop getting away from these companies, that's your last check. There's no 401k. There's no. There's no. There's no, there's no medical dental. You have to take care of that. And make sure that you're okay later. You know, so while it's lucrative, save your money and, and do something with it. You got a career, keep it. You know, keep working. I also feel like, so it seems like you left kind of on a bitter note from the industry, right? On a slightly, you know, unhappy yeah. with what, what transpired. But at the same time, I feel like the industry, and this this is why I wanted to do this interview with you, because I really want to, you know, give you praise, because you are definitely one of the best posers of all time. But it seems like the industry, as soon as you left, they stopped talking about you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if you feel that way, but it's almost like everything you accomplish, they just they don't they don't bring it up, and I feel like it should that should be changed. You know what I'm saying? You know, and with me, like I I get I get into a point where, you know, with the sport, you know, it's always the newest thing. You know, hey, who's the new guy? You know, they're gonna push what's out, what's 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 current. Um, them not talking about me doesn't doesn't make me angry or bother me. Um, I just think it was just what they chose to do at the time. Um. But now that there's social media is out, you mm-hmm. know, I always encourage people, hey, man, look, look into the past, you know, look at what I did, because I think what they try to do or what the sport did or what people in general talk about, mm-hmm. they talk about, um, you know, Melvin was the best poser of all time. He's this and that. Yeah, but I had a physique to go with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I trained my, my ass off in the gym mm-hmm. and I, I used to bury people in the gym. And as far as training, anybody would tell you. I trained hard. The only one that but put me in the dirt was Ronnie Coleman. 
because it was too damn hot in Texas. <laughs> I heard I heard that story. You got you got you got put ice on you, right? <laughs> Man, I thought I was gonna die. I said I thought I was gonna straight die. You know, give me some ice packs or something. I wasn't here. I wasn't here from that dude. They would come out, and I wasn't coming out. I was <laughs> I was in the back. But when they stopped talking about me, they always remember me for dancing. But they never talk about the battles that I went through mm-hmm. to be able to even pose at night. They don't talk about Melvin had a physique. Melvin walked around with a 20 and a half inch waist with 31 inch quads, 19 inch calves, 23 inch arms. You know, they don't talk about the physique. They don't talk about the battle. And that has to be addressed. If you want to talk about me, let's talk about all of it. You know, mm-hmm. let's not talk about just the stuff. Let's talk about what I did for the sport. Yeah. Let's talk about how I stood on stage and battled guys and beat guys that probably I shouldn't have beat, but I beat them because I opposed them. Mm-hmm. Because there is a battle and a way to, uh, to address the judges when you're on stage during prejudging. That's where the fight is. That's where the points come in. And so when a person <clears throat> doesn't discuss that and they stop talking about me, that's cool because they want to talk about what's relevant. But like I said, you can never know where it's going if you don't know what was in the past. If you never talk about an Ed Corny or a Serge Nebray or a guy mm-hmm. back then that was killing people, mm-hmm. if you don't know what they did, then you're just you're just you know you're just kind of winging it, mm-hmm. you know. Because bodybuilding is a is a is a process. Bodybuilding is a is a is a is a a regimen of things you have to do to look good. And if you look at the physiques that were back then, even if you go back to, let's just say when Arnold competed, look at his body. You look at Tom Platt's legs. Look at his dense muscle. Mm-hmm. You know what changed? The training changed. These dudes don't want to pick up no weights. You know, me and Chris were just talking about this weekend. We were talking about, hey, what do we think about change? What changes is, is there? There nobody's ever telling these guys to go grab that iron out that corner, and pick it up, and lift that. Yeah, machines are great. Yes, all this new equipment is great, but you have to train. So I knew how to do that and put that on stage. That's what they're not talking about. They're not talking about, hey, Melvin used to train his ass off. Or me, Chris, and, and and Charles be going at it so bad. He go, I go throw up, and then he come back and say, "Okay, you still got ten more reps." Oh, you didn't think you was done, <laughs> did you? Yeah, they don't. Some of these guys ain't going through that, you know. So I went through that. My body on stage, it just wasn't about me just, you know, dancing and shaking my of, butt. Of course, of course. No, no, no. It was, no, it was no, also no. I had to, I had to make that muscle dense. I had to grow that muscle. Of course. And they don't talk about that, you know. So them stop talking about me. Nah, I don't care, you know. I mean, the people that want to know. The guys that want to be great, they will do that research. Mm-hmm. They will find those videos of me training. They will find those videos of what I did, what I ate, and how I conducted myself. You know, there's a reason why they say, hey, Melvin was one of the most well-liked guys out there because I didn't treat people like they were a fan. I treated them like they were my friend because it was someone that I knew, someone that I met, that I'm going to see over the, the course of my career, mm-hmm. you know? And, mm-hmm. and I've always been told, hey, Melvin, man, you're just so nice. I'm just, I was raised that way, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, I'm not. I'm not worried about them not talking about me. So you mentioned the new guys. You feel like they're not training as hard, meaning the actual like the regiment is not as as not as heavy. It's not as intense. Some of them. Some of them. I mean, some of them I watch. You know, I watch the videos, and some of them just you know, I think they could do more. I'm not saying they're not training hard. I'm not saying that they're not worthy of what they're getting on stage, but there's a level that they can get to that they haven't tapped into yet. Mm. And I believe that they will. Hopefully, they'll get it. Hopefully, they'll start talking to a flex wheeler or they'll go up to Jay Cole and, hey, man, how did you train? How did you, you know, can you show me, you know, what you did? Watch those videos, how those guys train. Yeah. And that way, they'll get the same density that they had before us. 
because there's a there's a look that they had. If you look at a surgeon brain, look at his dense muscle. That dude trained all day long, mm-hmm. all day. All he did is eat, sleep, and train. So it's a different look. So I'm not saying that they're not they're not training as hard. I just think they can train harder. I think you know the 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 uh, the regiments and the and the, and the, uh, the supplements that they're taking. Yes, it's all the same. Ain't nothing changed. You know what I mean? The, 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 that stuff ain't you no know, world is no better level it's still the same stuff they took back then but what has changed is the training absolutely the, what has changed is what they're they're not caring about uh posing on stage they're more you know worried about my name is big i have a million likes mm-hmm. and so when i get on stage they're gonna like me because of what they read yes judges are fans yes judges pay attention but if you put a guy like me with with my mentality next to a guy like that i'm gonna kill him because he's worried about just look, I look good. No, yeah, but you got to still stand next to me, and you still haven't looked to the right or the left to find out what's what, who got what today. Because just because I was in shape at this show, don't mean I'm be in shape at that show mm-hmm. or the next show. So every time you get on stage, you have to be able to pay attention. And I think that's one thing that's missing in this sport. These guys ain't paying attention. Well, I keep hearing uh, even Arnold Schwarzenegger said that you know the, the posing completely deteriorated in bodybuilding. I keep hearing that criticism. When do you think that happened? When do you think suddenly people stopped caring? Hmm. Mm. It could be a number of things. I mean, it could be that they don't emphasize or reward it for posing, or they don't make them battle enough because they're trying to you know maybe there there's a t- there's so many athletes now on stage mm-hmm. now that yeah you be in you be there all day you know there's 300 athletes mm-hmm. but there has to be a, make them battle make them fight make them show me why you're supposed to be first because every judge has somebody that's caught them caught their eye so that's why you get call outs call this guy out over here because he's got great symmetry call this guy cuz look at that muscle pull him out and when they come together you got to battle you got to fight that's I think that there's 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 no incentive to make them fight, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I think uh, yeah, that's that might be what has changed. But it's posing they don't take they don't take it serious. You know that's one thing I can see in them. They're not taking posing serious. You know, mm-hmm. they get on stage at night time. Well, you know my name such and such, and I got a million hits. So you know they're gonna love me. Nah, you you strut around on the stage and you just do whatever. You're gonna get a whatever clap. You're gonna get a golf clap. Oh, that was nice. When I came out on stage, I was looking for that standing ovation and where people were so loud I can't even hear my music. I'm looking for that. Mm-hmm. Even during prejudging, I'm trying to start something. I'm trying to talk some shit to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> no matter who they put me next to, and if yeah. I knew I was killing you, I was going to try to kill you here. Mentally. That's what's missing, and I think that the guys now, the new guys, they just weren't taught that. I bet you one thing, I bet you if you ask Hunter Labrada, I bet you his daddy telling him that. You get on stage, you don't take no prisoners. You kill everybody with how you move, how you stand. You keep that attention on you. Mm-hmm. I know he's telling them that. I've seen some of the videos. Man, mm-hmm. he's being taught that. So a lot of the guys, the gurus don't know that, so they're not telling their guys that. And they don't know how because some, some of the guys that are out there teaching, some of them never been on stage. So how can you tell me, you know what I mean, uh, you know how to cook if you don't know how to cook? How, how do you do that? How does that, how does that happen? The deterioration comes with what information is handed down and what uh, emphasis is that new bodybuilder or fitness or bikini, how is she getting her information? Is she searching who was the best? Is that fitness girl looking at who was the best ever? Who was the first one to make it happen? Did, are they looking at a Carol Simple? They don't talk about Carol Simple. She was the first one to come and dominate. 
that girl will put her legs over her elbows and do push-ups. That's Carol Simple right there. Mm-hmm. You you get get a guy showing up to a show, you get a Dorian Yates walking around. These guys don't even know who he is. How can you not know that? Mm-hmm. I could you could you could put me at Disneyland and you could put Dorian Yates on one side. You can put Lee Haney on the other side. You can put well Arnold. Let's just take Arnold out because he's a superstar. Mm-hmm. You can put a Lou Ferrigno. You could put you can put a Aaron Baker. And tell me you got an hour to find them. I guarantee I'll find every last one of them. <laughs> yeah. From a distance. Yeah. Because I did my research. I know who he was, how he trained, what he ate. I know these guys. So in order for me to be great, I have to know what they knew. You know what I'm talking Absolutely. about? It doesn't matter how your body changes. Absolutely. You should be able to you should be able to pick Ronnie Coleman out out of out of an amusement park. There's Ronnie <laughs> Coleman right there. And spot him from the back, not facing me. You put him from the back, I can tell you where he's at. <laughs> How do you this feel, is what's how do you, missing. How do you feel about women's bodybuilding? Women's bodybuilding, I think women's bodybuilding, they get a, they, sometimes they get a bad rap. You know, I, I enjoy watching muscle. You know, mm-hmm. Irish Kyle is like my sister, man. It's like, you know, how do you not know who she is? Mm-hmm. You know, even the females' bodybuilders, I would just wish that there was more camaraderie. I wish these people talked to each other, mm-hmm. you know, because there wouldn't be no, there wouldn't be no bikini uh, fitness uh, well, Figure, there will yeah. be none of this. None of this without the female bodybuilders. What are you talking about? Right. So why wouldn't you have the respect enough to know? Hey, that's such and such. Hey, how are you, girl? Hey, because we started it. You know, mm-hmm. men's physique and all that came from bodybuilding. How is it you a physique guy and you don't know who I am? I agree. Just because I have a beard on, you should know my face. You should know me. You should know who's come before you. You should know who a John Brown is. Mm-hmm. You should know who a Mike Christian is. If Sean Ray walked by, you supposed to know who that is. How do you not know that? Oh, I just started bodybuilding. Okay, well, great. So here's YouTube. I want you to look up Sean Ray. I want you to go over and look at Dennis. I want you to go and look at Phil Heath. I want you to go all the way back. See this picture of Ed of Corny? See this Franco Colombo? You got to know who these guys are because these are the great ones. In order mm-hmm. for you to be great, you got to know what looks great. Not by, I'm just in competition with myself. Well, that's, I won't say that's a fool. That's just somebody who doesn't pay attention. You got to pay attention. You want to be great. And if you're complacent, oh, I'm just so humbled to get fifth place. Why? Didn't you go to the show to win? That's another thing I noticed. I heard conversations this weekend when I was at Chris Cormier's show. I was listening. I'm just like, you happy to get sixth? Hell no. You got to be happy when you win. These guys are not happy. They're happy just placing. Nah, bodybuilding is last man standing. That's what's missing. Hopefully, hopefully we get it back, you know. And that's why I'm, I'm I'm trying to get myself back even more in the sport because I'm teaching it. Nah, you you don't we don't go in shows to lose. Mm-hmm. We go in shows to kill everybody. I like that mindset because a lot of people don't even talk like that anymore. The way you the way you talking right now. We we I, I think I'm gonna die that way, you know. But if mm-hmm. you go and talk to some of the older guys, they will tell you, yeah, ask Vic, Victor Martinez, shoot, <laughs> I'm coming to kill everybody. He's mm-hmm. subtle. He don't talk much. I'm a talker. I'm going to tell you, okay, when I get on stage, I'm going to get you. And they be thinking I'm playing. And when I'm in the gym, huh? Yeah, I got to get such and such. Yeah, I got to kill Vic. Oh, yeah, Dex coming. I got to get him. I got to get into that. I got to rule. When I'm training, that's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. That's how you're supposed to train. You're supposed mm-hmm. to train knowing who's coming. But also, my main concern was, John Brown was the, was the first one to tell me this. When you train, you train for the guy you never saw. And when you see him, you're going to know who it is. 
Well, nobody knowing about nothing about no Marcus Rue because we didn't have the internet. Right. And right. when he showed up, he like, who the hell is that? That's the guy you got to fight. That's a good point. Back then, I, you didn't, you had no idea. Yeah. We didn't have no, we didn't have no internet. Mm -hmm. Well, nobody put no, no movie up. You know, we got the videos after the fact, mm -hmm. the, 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 the videotapes, mm -hmm. Mitsuru Okabe. We got that later. So me coming through, we had to look for the guy we haven't seen. Guy come from Texas, we ain't seen yet. Mm -hmm. The only people I, I can deal with are people in California. Guys that are coming in from Arizona, all these other places, when they showed up, we see the day of the show, but you have to be ready for them. You can't get ready for a guy if you see him every day because you already know what he's coming with. It's that guy that's doing walking lunges with tree trunks in Sweden somewhere that you better watch. <laughs> right, right? Right, right. Those are the guys you got to yeah. be ready for. Yeah. Akeem Albright and all them guys. Come on, man. Those guys showed up, you're like, oh, my God. Oh, I don't know what I, uh, I okay, we're going to have to fight today. Because if you did your work and you left it all there on the table, mm. all the stones overturned, okay, let's battle. We'll see who's standing last. Now it comes to the battle on pre-judging stage. You're going to have to kill me to get me off of here. Mm. Yes, I took the same diuretics. I ain't drunk no water since yesterday either. But I'm going to have to die. You're going to have to kill me up here to get my money. <laughs> You're going to have to take me all the way out the box. I'm going to have to leave on a gurney. And that goes for male and female. You have to have that mentality. Mm. Since if you, you don't... Yeah. Since you've retired, uh, they've added men's physique division, uh, 212, and men's classic division as well. Do, do you think, and also a bunch of women divisions as well, do, do you think that's uh, good for fitness industry to have, you know, different, different, like, different basically categories? Categories? Yeah. I think it's, I think it's wonderful to have everybody, the give everybody the opportunity to compete, mm -hmm. no matter what it is. I mean, it's more modeling, but you still got to get in shape. Mm -hmm. You still got to do cardio. You still got to get on a diet. And most of them still doing stuff too. You take stuff. So, you know, you might as well get up there and enjoy a win. There's still a competition. Right. No matter what you do or what you say, I think categories are okay. But it just it gives somebody, some, some people that maybe don't have the genetics to be a, a 300 pound guy um, can get in a physique and do well because he already has that natural, nice face. You know what I mean? Hair all done good. He's in a good condition and he looks mm -hmm. good in shorts. You know, right. ain't got to squat too much. You know what I mean? Because they got on shorts to cover it up. And I, I just feel that hey, every category is gives it gives the sport more uh, more of a draw for people to come to be entertained. Did you do a lot of cardio when you used to compete? I did. I had to. Yeah, I did. I did my cardio. You know, I wasn't a Dexter Jackson guy. You know, Dexter didn't start doing cardio until he was in, in his thirties. I think he. I used to think he was lying. He, he never used to do cardio. He had a natural gift to get in shape. He that conditioning. His metabolism was really high, but I had to do cardio. Yeah, I yeah. had to. I started uh, my cardio sometimes, you know, 15 weeks out. Kevin LeBroni yeah. told me he did twice twice a day, two sessions a day in cardio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a beast, man. Kevin wasn't no joke, man. That dude was a specimen, you know. So, um, Melvin, I got to ask you about what happened um, after you retired, right? So you ended up going to prison. For mm -hmm. those, for those, I mean, it's public knowledge, obviously. But can you, everybody can you, knows about that. Can, can you tell me like what happened? And, and obviously, you came you came back home last year, right? No, I've been I've been out since nineteen. Oh, two thousand nineteen. Okay, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, um, so for those who don't have, don't have enough information, can you what, what can you tell me about that? Well, uh, you know, it basically was a a situation with marijuana. And, you know, Mississippi don't play with marijuana. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, everybody, it's, it's public information. Um, 
they they consider anything that you do uh, above a certain amount, they just call it trafficking. Mm-hmm. But in the law, in the in the lawful terms, you have to transport some something from from one place to another place to have a trafficking charge. Mm-hmm. So they eventually changed that to delivery of a control and control substance, so of uh, marijuana. So that's what happened. That's what gave me all the time. Mississippi, Mississippi don't play that. California, hey, you know, I'm thinking in my mind, it's just the same as anywhere else. Everybody smokes, you know. So yeah, that's that's where the problem came in, and that's what sent me to prison. So you know, with a lot of people that said, you know, this heroin and all this other stuff, and talking about these crazy, I don't know, people just made up their own stories. It just seemed like. But, uh, yeah, I ended up doing my time and served my time and came home and trying to move forward in my life. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's why I went to prison for marijuana. That, that's that's crazy, and especially now because all the laws are changing. It's being legalized. Uh-huh. Pretty much decriminalized every, it. every state is going to be decriminalized. Pretty Even much. Mississippi. They changed it. Yeah, it's, it's the, you can get a prescription now <laughs> for it, mm-hmm. which is retarded. But, you know, they got a chance to get a California guy. Oh, he's from California. Oh, my God. And my name made it even worse. They're like, oh, yeah, we don't want him coming over here and just make an example. And that's what they did. So that's what happened. So, you know, they were talking about, uh, you know, like people like to make their videos or whatever. It, it, that kind of, you know, is what people do. You know, bad news is still news. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I guess maybe because they thought that I was going to be gone for 100 years that, you know, people going to say what they're going to say. Um, but they're not saying it now. You know, and it's, it's not a big deal. And like I said, uh, I take responsibility for the things that I've done. And I don't expect people to follow what I did. Learn mm-hmm. from it, you know. That, that a smart man would learn from a mistake and mm-hmm. not follow. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, a couple of guys. I don't want to say their names. I mean, you can say the names if you want, but they made videos basically when, when I guess back in, back a few years ago when 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 I guess they announced the prison um, the prison thing. The prison thing came out basically. They made a couple of videos calling you a wasted talent, saying they were trying to help you get you on the right path, and basically making you look like you were just. A guy that wanted to get on the crime, you know what I mean? Like that's the kind of video narrative that they put together. I'm sure you know who those people are, but when you, I mean, yeah. I don't understand why they co- called you wasted talent because you've accomplished so much in bodybuilding. So I, I didn't understand the whole wasted talent part. Um, yeah, exactly. So when you saw those um, videos, how did it make you feel? Did you, did, did you like? Do you feel like that your friends turned your turned their backs on you, or or what do you? That's think exactly how I felt, and uh, you know, and I feel that way to this day. Uh, but. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't hate the guys uh, that that said it, and they did the videos. There, you know, to me, it was, uh, you know, a person is supposed to, you would think, find out, you know, um, because the person that did the video knew exactly where I was going because I told him before I went. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, if you wanted to know how I was doing or what I was doing or where I was at, you could have sent a letter because it's public confirmation. Mm-hmm. You know, you get just like you got the information of the charges, you should have got the information of clarifying what the what the what the charges were by asking me you know and uh you know the the, the worst thing about that was my mother seen it first mm. you know who knows these people well you know so how does that make my mother feel you know you know and i take responsibility for doing it i did enough to my mother and my family uh you know but i had a phone when i was in prison i had two of them so you know yeah i watched it you know and and i, I just feel that you thought that i was going to do 50 some years and so, you know, you can just say what you want without repercussion. You know, no, oh, I'm just going to say what I want. Well, raise the talent how? So when I look at, you know, that situation, it's tough for me to talk about stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm no, in my whole entire career, I was always an open book and transparent. So, you know, nobody said nothing when he was in trouble. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, I didn't make no video. 
So when you when you make a video say waste of talent, waste of talent how? How did I waste it? Because I'm not doing doing what you wanted me to do, or you know I'm not traveling around. I travel with you those times and you tried to help me, but I was already in trouble. So when you're in trouble, you I don't want to just disappear and be like, well, where did Melvin go? And then find oh Melvin went to prison. That would look even worse to do a tour when you know you're in trouble. That doesn't that doesn't that's, that that that's disrespectful to the fans. It's disrespectful to my friends. It's disrespectful to everyone. So you know I did what I had to do and I tried to do it quietly. You know, because I knew what was going on. So I went ahead and, and I went to, you know, the Mr. Olympia the last time. Went in 16. Jim May didn't even know where I was going. I didn't tell him. I went and hugged on his neck, told him I loved him. I went and hugged Steve Weinberger, told him I loved him. I, I hugged on and took as many pictures as I could because I knew where I was going. Mm-hmm. I didn't put that out there. If I wanted it out there, I would have put it out there. Mm-hmm. I didn't need no victim to say, oh, my God, playing the victim. And no, Nah, I did my deal with it, so I'm going to go, you know, serve my time. So waste of talent how? I wasn't wasting talent when I was beating you up on stage. Mm-hmm. How did I waste my talent? Mm-hmm. I did what I was supposed to do, but I never did that to disrespect the sport. My personal problem should have stayed personal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But you made a spectacle out of it, so now that it's out, you know, you want to talk about it, you should have called me. should have sent me a letter. Both of those guys, you're supposed to be my friend, so friends call each other. Friends see how people are, not get mad at him, so I'm not talking to him no more because he got in trouble. That's stupid. Yeah. Because when you got in trouble, I came to your aid. What are you talking about? So that's 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 uh, you know, it's a, it's a touchy subject, but I'm okay with it now. I've made peace with it. You know what I mean? It's out there now, so whatever. Did any of the guys support you, or uh, whether it's you know conversation or just kind of looked out for you while you were away? Anybody that 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 um stands out to you that you actually yeah, did? Kevin and Kevin LeBron. Mm-hmm. I spoke to Kevin LeBron. I spoke to Ronnie, you know, I had, like I said, I had a phone in there. So, you know, I was, I talked to guys. Yeah. That's good. You know, spoke to Chris Cormier. Mm-hmm. No one, none of those guys judge me. You know, they're like, Hey man, you know, are you getting out of there? I was like, you'll see. Cause I didn't want those guys to know what I was, I was coming home. Mm-hmm. I just let them talk because that, that showed me something. I learned something from that. I learned mm-hmm. that, Hey, everybody's not your friend. You can be their friends, but sometimes they're not your friend and that's okay. You know what I mean? What am I going to do? You know, make him be my friend? No. You have to take responsibility for what you said, just like I took responsibility for what I did. And if you don't want to, that's okay. But your fans going to look at you funny. <laughs> You've seen all the, the flack that he got from that. Go read the commentators. Right. Read what they said about that. It's okay. You know? But yeah, Kevin LeBron, I talked to him a couple of times. He's like, man, if you need anything, you know, you send you money. Nah, I'm okay. You know, that's one thing I did. I have money on the side. I'm okay. You know what I mean? He's like, man, you you coming home? And I told Kevin, I was like, yeah, I'm coming home soon. And don't say nothing. <laughs> He's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, man, they let me loose, man. I came in here, did what I had to do. So let me live my life now. You know? And it didn't stop me from, you know, helping people. It didn't stop me from doing online training. It didn't stop me from people wanting to talk to me, say hi to me, you know, and treat me like I never left. You know? Mm-hmm. There's not been one disrespectful thing been said since I've been out. Mm-hmm. You know, because people aren't worried about it. They're like worried about what are you doing now? You know, are you okay? You know, mm-hmm. I came out of there. People were dying all around me. You know what I mean? That's that place. Nobody asked me how it was in there. Man, shoot. It ain't built for everybody. You know, but I made it through that situation. You know, I spoke to Jimmy not too long ago. Jimmy was like, man, Melvin, if you would have talked to me before, I would have brought you down here. Nah, man, I, I lost my mind a little bit. You know what I mean? It happened. Everybody going to come to that 
realization that there's a fork in the road at some point, and you got to make the chance to go, yeah. make the choice to go left, or make the chance to go right. I made the choice to go left, and I should have went right. You know, mm-hmm. so, you know, it is what it is. What advice? What is the biggest advice you would give to somebody who might be in the same position as you, like after bodybuilding, maybe not fully set up yet, but like, what's the, you know what I mean? Like, what's the right approach to find life after bodybuilding? and really go in the right direction, you know what I mean? Um, I just think that, you know, everybody has to, uh, in bodybuilding, get your money, make as much money as you can, mm-hmm. enjoy the ride, but always get ready for the end game, you know? Mm-hmm. Save up for your 401k, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Put money away, put it in stocks, whatever you gotta do, start a business, you know, start on your vitamin companies, do it before you stop competing. Don't be like me and wait till the last minute. Mm-hmm. Now, that's right. the advice I want to give to everybody. You know, you got to be smart. You know, because it's, it's still lucrative, it's still money to be made, and you know, it's not about um, you know, trying to just, you know, compete forever because nothing is forever. Everything, the only thing you can depend on happening is change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your plans for the near future? Uh, I know you're doing stuff right now in the fitness industry. Um, do you want to? be a coach more do you want to run shows uh do you want to run different platforms for fitness like what kind of stuff do you want to get into right now mm, you know I'm, I'm i'm throwing things around now i'm trying, I'm trying to learn you know but i would love to have a, a show you know mm-hmm. i think it would be good for the sport you know to to be able to you know probably won't be in california because there's too many out here there's <laughs> too many shows out here maybe but, you can uh, bring the iron man back yeah, that would be cool, man. You know, just to just to you know to have that show, man. I would love to run an Ironman, but uh, yeah, I'm learning. You know, me and uh, Chris Premier have been talking, mm-hmm. you know, about uh, you know throwing things around to be able to uh, you know to just up my level on giving back and doing something that has something to do with bodybuilding. You know, absolutely. Yeah, I went absolutely. back for sure. Absolutely. Was it a difficult adjustment to um, the whole social media era right now that's going on? Do you like social media? Do you like what's happening on social? Because a lot of comments back and forth. I'm sure. A lot of haters on there talking. Everybody has an opinion. Like, how do you feel about that that era? Everybody, everybody got it. Yeah, everybody gonna have an opinion. Um, social media is hard to deal with because I'm not real tech savvy. Uh, you know, people people are gonna you know say what they say. You're, you're always gonna have trolls. You know, people are always gonna have something bad to say. And you know, I, I've just learned to let let people have their opinion. You know, it's not gonna stop me eating. It's not gonna it's not gonna stop what I'm going to to give back to the sport. Nothing's gonna stop that, no matter what people say. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, I think that uh, the better I get, um, you know, at the social media, I think I'll, I'll be able to do more uh, as far as giving back. Last thing I want to ask you is, um, you know, how did you feel about Big Rami winning? I, I, have you been following the Olympia uh, last year? Yeah. How do you feel about Big Rami winning and what do you feel like is going to be the future of Mr. Olympia going forward? Hmm. The future? Nobody really knows the future. Right. Um, Big Romney's a good dude, man. That is one of the most humble guys I think I've ever met. That guy, when I met him, he's met me. <laughs> and I laughed at him. You know, he was like, why are you laughing? I was like, man, big as you is, you ain't got to. He's a humble guy, that guy. He's just a, he's a big teddy bear. I like Romney. Um, Yeah, when he won, what can you say about that? You know, you, you could have flipped them, those places around, and nobody's going to complain because the top five guys are in really, really good shape. You know, they had a little bit of everything. Ronnie just Rami just had a combination of everything on that day and put it together right and he, he came out on top. Had a lot of muscle, he was dense, he was conditioned, you know, he wasn't having no, no waist wasn't sticking out nowhere, he had good taper and what can you say about that guy? He overpowered everybody. 
Mm-hmm. You know, turn around, glutes was in, times was in, shredded glutes. I mean, he wasn't missing anything. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm cool with that. Mr. Olympia, Mr. Olympia. Do you feel like there was going to be, because uh, Rami is big, right? Like, if, if you look at your era, you had Ronnie Coleman, who was the biggest, right? Or, or at least, well, Marcus Hull was huge, too. Paul Dillette was huge, right? But, like, right now, Rami is so big. So, for a smaller guy to beat Rami is going to be challenging, unless Rami is off and they come in super conditioned. They're, and they're going to have to outpose him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're going to have to be able to present better. They're going to have to make things happen when he moves. You know, as long as Ronnie, Rami, I keep saying Ronnie, Rami stays on his game. Uh, he comes in with great condition and he doesn't get too far out there, making his waist get blocky or anything like that. He should be okay. He should, he should be able to win. win if he tries to maybe put on more size and it starts to distort, distort, distort his uh, symmetry, mm-hmm. he gonna get his, he, he can he can lose it, you know, because once you be once a thing I know about history, um, the Mister Olympias are hard to knock off the hill. Mm-hmm. They have to be off off, like they got to be because yeah. you're not gonna if they're a little bit off, they, that doesn't mean they're gonna lose. So you have to knock them out in order to get that position. You gotta knock them out. There's no oh if it's close, it's gonna be rhyming. But if a guy dominates Rami, it doesn't have to just be with size. It could just be with his shape and symmetry. It could be with a combination of uh, his muscle density and fullness. And you know, if a if a shredded flex wheeler goes up there with that physique like that, he's gonna beat Rami because Rami it's that's an apple and an orange. They got two different physiques. You know, Rami has a combination of everything for right now. So the question is, is he gonna be able to repeat that same physique or make it better? bigger more round with better shape and symmetry without distorting it can you do that that's the question that's that's challenging it's real challenging and i'm glad i ain't got to do it (laughs) (laughs) absolutely melvin thank you so much man it's been a uh, great pleasure talking to you i'm a big fan of yours and i want to make sure that i want to make sure that people go and watch your posing routines and your your battles on stage man because you definitely forget about the poser you're definitely one of the best bodybuilders out there I appreciate that, man. I appreciate yeah, man. it. You, you, I mean, yeah. Uh, much respect for you, man. And I want people to really learn about your story as much as possible. Oh, yeah. If they want to contact me, just go on Instagram, you know, Melvin Anthony Jr. You can DM me. I'm still training people, still teaching people how to battle, you know, how to pose and, you know, and create. And, you know, this is what I'm doing for right now. So, you know, I'm here. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much, Melvin. Great pleasure, man. All right. Peace out. Take care, man. Thank you. Bye, bro. Visit GenerationIron.com for even more GI-exclusive content on all things bodybuilding, fitness, combat, and strength sports. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are downloaded.